Thanks for joining us for another episode of In Harmony with Piedmont Opera. And coming up, if you're listening to this early in the week, uh, we're probably dropping this around Monday, March the that would be March the 13th. Uh, coming up on the 17th, the 19th, and the 21st will be the Piedmont Opera presentation of Don Pasquale. Uh, Brad, did I did I hit that okay? You nailed it. Okay, all right. I, I'm still working on my my Italian flair, I guess <laughs> you could say. Um, but Brad Smoke is playing Don in the in the upcoming performance, and he's joining us here on the podcast to talk about himself, his history with the with the opera, with these particular set of arts, and uh, the upcoming performance. So uh, if you don't have your tickets now, you need to get them at PiedmontOpera.org, and uh, going to be a fantastic show. Um, Brad, let, let's let's start there, and, and as we kind of talk about the this particular performance, what kind of what kind of a story is it? Uh, drama, comedy, uh, all of the above? How would you describe this particular show? That's a great question. So, from my character's perspective, this is a tragedy. My character is tossed around, beat up, bullied throughout the entire show. No, no. Uh, seriously, though, this is a this is a comedic opera. This is from the the uh, very very rich history and tradition of the bel canto style of opera. Um, so there's going to be some absolutely glorious singing, beautiful music, um, and quite uh, quite a bit of humor along the way. I I, I love the voice first of all as as somebody that spends a good amount of time in the world of audio and podcasting i have great respect for somebody that has a great set of pipes so uh kudos to you and, well and, thank you and uh I, I, we're gonna get into how you 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 brought those pipes into this particular art form um so uh let, let's learn a little bit about your background tell us as much as you'd like to get into about yourself how you got in how you developed a love of music um and and what ended up bringing you necessarily to to the triad this particular time. Absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I am a proud North Carolina native. Uh, I was born in Durham and grew up in the Triangle area, grew up in Cary, went to uh, high school in Raleigh, you know, lots of friends, lots of family still in the area here. So it's it's a real treat to come back here and, and perform in, in my home state. Um, let's see how I got into music. So I grew up... Uh, as the middle child of three and so from an early age I was just hungry for attention all the attention I could get so the best way I could I could figure out how to do that was to be on the stage you know and uh, it started in in high school um, I was an instrumentalist uh, first I played the trombone and uh, my it's funny because just the other day I got an email from my choir director from high school uh, one of my choir directors there uh, his name's Joel Adams so shout out to uh, Mr. Adams there mm -hmm. and uh, he, he, in his email he said I don't know if you remember me but because it's been 20 uh, 20 plus years since high school um, but uh, apparently he, he's been following my career as of late and uh, he was excited to hear that I would be here for this and so he's going to be in the audience for, uh, for the matinee pro uh, performance and so very very excited to see him but anyway uh, beyond that um, I got into theater in, in high school and then pursued that in, into my, my uh, undergrad studies uh, music theater to be specific so opera wasn't even 
on the radar at that at that at that point. Uh, it wasn't until the end of my my undergrad studies that my my voice teacher at that time suggested I take a look at some operatic arias, some roles uh, in, in that genre. And part of the reason being is that in music theater, uh, there's some fantastic material. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of it uh, is suited for the bass voice, right? The lowest of the of the male voices. Um, and so it was going to be it was going to be a struggle to to make a career in the music theater world. Um, as much as I love that 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 art form and and the music uh, and the theater involved there, um, so I I sort of shifted my focus a little bit. Uh, started studying opera. Uh, definitely felt more comfortable in the voice. Um, it takes a a certain color, a certain timbre, a certain control. Um, you know to to access that part of the voice. There's a special color I think that that a lot of operatic singers share. Um, not to mention the ability to cut through an orchestra. You know. Uh, into a large hall like that, un- unaccompanied, or sorry, uh, unamplified, excuse me. Um, and and to be honest with you, opera, it is the epitome, it's the highest form of, of so many art forms put together, right? You have these incredible vocalists, you have, uh, you know, the musicians in the pit who are creating this incredible backdrop for for this this piece um you know the the stagecraft involved the direction the sets the costumes everything is this, just this grand spectacle right so it's everything at its height so that's that's really what i love about it yeah 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 that that kind of answers the the question that that we wanted to touch on which is why opera oh yeah um what, what kind of music was was in your your household as you were growing up <laughs> um, a lot of well, what I consider oldies, but I guess kids today probably wouldn't even know what what it is. But uh, so we listened to a lot of uh, Simon and Garfunkel, uh, Chicago. It was a lot of, I mean, a, a lot of it had very rich uh, instruments in the background. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's what sort of tuned my ear to to the theatrical side of things. But uh, we were not an operatic household by any means. Um, yeah, just just kind of came into it. Yeah. You mentioned all the reasons why it's it's so fulfilling and enriching. What do, do you have anything specifically that made you fall in love with the format? Oh wow! Um, well, for me, going back to my my middle child syndrome, um, for me, it's the connection with the audience, mm-hmm. right? So you're performing on the stage, you're creating this this incredible music. You're you're trying to to add a little bit of your own, you know, self and your own soul into it. Um, for a lot of this music that's been around for hundreds of years, right? And and it's that connection with the audience, being able to see just a few faces in the audience that are really just invested and enjoying every second of it. Okay. So you grew up in the Triangle area. Mm-hmm. Where are you living now? Uh, right now, I live in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Um, it's a fantastic city with a lot of a lot of arts itself, obviously. Um, and for me, it's also practical because it's a nice hub for travel. Um, a lot of my a lot of my job in, involves quite a bit of travel, um, which I love. And Chicago is a good place to to start from. And so, how long have you been here in the Triad preparing for this role in in these performances? We started rehearsals about three weeks ago. So from from beginning to the final production will be roughly a month. Okay. So, what's it like being being back in in North Carolina? When's the last time you were here uh, prior oh to prior to three weeks ago when you started these rehearsals? Oh man, uh, I was I was here uh, last fall actually to visit my father. Um, he lives now in the uh, in Lake Lure near uh, Chimney Rocks. So oh I was, yeah, I was here not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So so you grew up and and you had this this great variety of, of oldies music and and 
gosh, nowadays oldies music is like '90s music. I think, <laughs> exactly for, right for, for some people, which is which is really sad to, to <laughs> and difficult to, to reconcile. Yeah. Um, when did you realize that you had a voice, you had a talent that could flourish in this type of format? Well, uh, I guess two answers. One would be uh, my senior year of high school, um, where I took part in my first. Uh, piece of theater, I guess. And mm-hmm. this was um, the Pirates of Penzance, the Gilbert and Sullivan piece. Um, I, I, I'll i never forget my audition for that. Uh, I sang the, the Pirate King song just as an audition, and I ended up the audition standing on top of the table in the audition room, just because why not? You know, mm-hmm. I'd never done it before. Let's just, let's just make a scene out of it. Um, and that whole process, that you know, starting from the audition through the rehearsal process especially, and then to the performances, that whole... Oh, just all of it really that's where my love of the theater started um just the experiences that i had through that not only in in my personal performing but also collaborating with the other artists you know the musicians the director everyone the other actors i mean it's 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 such a special thing that we get to do um so that's where it all started and then in terms of opera that really happened um again late in my my undergrad years um and then and into the years following One of the common themes in in these previous episodes of this podcast, when we ask when we ask the guests about why this is such uh, why this is such an incredible art form and what drew them to it, for for someone like me who's a novice when it comes to this particular style of of singing and performance, it's it's the amazing talent and the things that you can do with your voice that you don't hear anywhere else. But the answer that I typically get from the, the people that are involved in it on a regular basis is they are so tethered and attached to the storytelling part of it. They say the storytelling is really the number one thing that stands out about sure. opera as an art. Would you agree with that? Sure. I, I would definitely agree. Yeah, it's it's one of, if if not the, the, the most compelling pieces of of this art form i mean if you think about it like we touched on earlier i mean these these stories and these pieces have been around many of which have been around for hundreds of years and there's a reason why we keep performing them right Mm -hmm. there's something in these stories that resonates with with the performers of every generation with the audiences of every generation and that's you know if it ain't broke don't fix it sort of thing yeah how did you get connected with piedmont opera um, so this is my this is my debut with Piedmont Opera specifically, but um, uh, our director Jamie Albritton, who's the artistic director of Piedmont Opera, um, he and I worked together. I won't I won't date I won't date ourselves too badly. <laughs> it was a few years ago, we'll say. Um, and I I jumped in uh, for a performance of the Tales of Hoffman with the North Carolina School of the Arts, uh, sort of last minute. And so he and I got a chance to work together. Then we had a great time, and um, you know. When this this opportunity came up, he he contacted me, and I was happy to accept. Yeah, tell tell me a little bit more about that, about the, how the opportunity presented presented itself for you, and and how easy or or difficult was the decision to accept this this role? Sure. Yeah, no, great question. Um, so I, in my own personal journey, uh, I actually took about five or six years away from performing for a while, just to to focus on other pursuits. I have family, you know, just uh, just. A life, a life decision, mm-hmm. but um, it it became pretty clear uh, that that I wasn't going to be able to make it much longer without performing. It's just it's a core part of who I am, and and I love it just so much. Um, so about a year ago, I, I came back to the industry um, and was blown away with the warm reception that I that I, I received. Um, and uh, you know, a few months into that, uh, my agent contacted me and said that 
that uh, Peter Monopera was interested in, in casting me here for, for Don Pasquale. And um, it, it's interesting because the role itself, and I, I have a feeling we'll get into this, but the role itself is not one that I uh, thought I would be singing for probably another couple decades, um, if nothing else. So it was really just a rare opportunity. I mean, at this point, to, to be able to sing a piece like this, this... this um, very well known, very rich history of this of this role and the people that have sung it. Um, to be, to have that opportunity, I I couldn't pass it. So pass it yeah, up. so a couple follow up questions there. So as you were taking that time off, um, you you realized that there was just this itch that wouldn't go away. That oh you... oh, Adam, I tried the I tried the nine to five and respect for all the people that can and and choose to and love to do it, but it's it's just not for me. Yeah. I need I need that variety in my life. I need. I need the travel. I need that that ability to to meet new people, to have those new experiences, to 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 really just yeah. That's I I couldn't stay away any longer. Yeah. Did you have to shake off? I mean, while you were taking a break away from performing professionally, were you still staying sharp in terms of your skills? You know, I I wish I could sit here and say yes, I practiced every day, and I no, I I I turned the corner and in my mind that was that was the right decision and and i i committed to it so so coming back to performing has been um you know it's been a it's been a great challenge uh to to work you know to work the voice up to uh up to the professional status again and i have fantastic teacher wonderful coaches that i work with um and and very supportive colleagues and it's it's been a journey and and one that i'm i'm excited to to take but one thing i will say that i've i've gained from the time away is just an amazing amount of perspective right and one of the things that i know coming back into this this world is um i'm here because i love it mm-hmm. and i don't want to you know it, it's a choice to be here and i'm i'm very very lucky to to have that opportunity yeah well, well grateful that you're here for this one and we'll get into to the this particular role in, in just a moment but I want to ask you about some of the more memorable locations, venues, or roles that that you've taken on in your career. Sure, sure. Um, well, uh, let's see. Uh, locations. I will say one of my favorite uh, venues I've ever sung uh, was uh, actually in Wexford, Ireland, which is uh, a small town on the southeastern coast of Ireland. It's a little fishing village, to be honest with you. And for a couple months every year, it, it these cobblestone streets. Are, are all of a sudden filled with tuxedos and gowns in this grand opera uh, festival that they hold and their their opera house is gorgeous um but just just to experience that that culture you know a different place in the world that that really fulfilled my my itch to travel and experience new things so that was definitely one of the most memorable um roles oh my goodness I mean, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I have to say when I was here previously uh, working with School of the Arts, the, the Tales of Hoffman, that was that was a challenge and an exciting opportunity as well. We uh, The role that I sang is actually, he's the villain of the story, but he there are actually four different roles in the opera that he has to take on. And so as an actor, uh, that challenge was incredible to, to undertake and, and create these different characters that all had a, you know, a single thread through them. Yeah. 
Okay, so we mentioned at the top that you are playing Don in Don Pasquale. Why did you say that you felt you were decades away from ever taking this role? <laughs> well, uh, you know, spoiler alert, in the opera itself, uh, one of the lines that I sing is, for a man in his 70s, <laughs> okay, I look yeah. pretty good. <laughs> now, uh, you know, not to give too much away, I, I'm not in my 70s quite yet. Um, about half that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and... and, and... <laughs> Kind of along those lines, uh, you you are not in your 70s. You are no. much younger than that. You're tall and, and you're thin. Don Pasquale is none of those things. Well, <laughs> so, so tell us about uh, having to adapt to a character who is very, very different from, from what you are physically and from an age perspective. Good point. Good point. Yeah, the, Don Pasquale in, in the opera world is, is pretty much known for two things. He's known for being very old and he's known for being quite rotund, I think we, is, is the <laughs> it's a good, word. Good, good, word, way to, yeah. good way to put it. Um, yeah, so so as a as as an actor, that's a that's a great challenge. I, I use the word challenge a lot because that's what it is. It's it's a fun puzzle to to figure out, right? And and not only as an actor, you think, okay, physically, how is he going to move around the stage? How does he move through his world, right? Um, as you get older, I, I have some some fantastic uh, sort of not tricks, but tools, I like to say, that I, I, I've picked up over the years from, from different acting and movement coaches. Um, and one of which, which I challenge uh, anybody in the audience to, to try and pay attention to, is where in the body you lead from. Okay? And I know it's kind of difficult over the radio, but uh, in, in the podcast form, but um, if you think of the quintessential sort of, uh, I always think of Gaston in the Disney's Beauty yeah. and the Beast, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that quintessential macho character. Yeah. He leads from his chest. Oh, yes. He's peacocking all over the place, and right? And his chin. And yeah. his chin. He's got that massive <laughs> chin. Exactly. So, so look, you know, watch the, watch the movie and see, see how the character leads, right? And, um, and it's interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll give away a little bit here, but, um, I was I was ta- uh, taught several years ago by an acting coach that the older you get, if you think about the feet, mm-hmm. the older you get, the further back in your foot you lead from. Oh, so okay. try it wherever you are. You can find a safe place to walk around. And at, when you're a kid, you lead from your toes. You're up on your toes. You're ready for anything. Yeah. And as you get older, if you lead from your heels, you take smaller steps. You start shuffling a little bit. The weight changes. So anyway... That was that was the the actors workshop uh, yeah. tidbit, but uh, so yeah. it's not necessarily you know heel toe steps, but you, are you almost angling your foot almost outward? turning out? Yeah, as a dancer would. Yeah, um, to to it's just a an actor's sort of impetus, something that I can I can really sort of uh, lean on when I'm when I'm when I'm figuring out how this character moves around. Not only that, but with the weight difference. Um, we have an amazing makeup and costume department. Uh-huh. Uh, they're going to have some fun with that. I do wear a prosthetic uh, belly, uh-huh. so that's that helps uh, quite a bit uh, for the visual and, and gives me something to play with. But um, yeah, it'll yeah. be a lot of fun. Well, listeners of this podcast will be very focused on your feet as you are moving around. <laughs> well, either that, or we'll see people shuffling around Winston Salem here on the street, and we'll know they've heard this podcast. Or, or people trying to make themselves feel younger will just try to angle their feet more. There inward. you go. Lead from lead from your chest. That'll. <laughs> what What is your favorite part other than the 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 movement? That is a yeah. great explanation, though, about the little details of the movement to make sure that sure. you can you can adapt to this particular role that doesn't necessarily match who you are individually. Right. Um, but what is your favorite part of this particular show? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I'll I'll give you two. Okay. 
give you two for one here. My my favorite part, personally as a performer, is the collaboration with the other artists. Mm-hmm. Like, and and unfortunately, you uh, uh, you know the audience members don't get to see the whole rehearsal process. You get to see the final product, which is very exciting. It's the culmination of all all the hard work that we've put in, um, but. One of my favorite parts is the rehearsal process. That's when we really get to dig into the the, the details of, of each scene, of, of the characters themselves, of their interactions with each other. That's where a lot of the storytelling, that when you see the final performance, that's where a lot of that happens, right? Mm-hmm. That's where that, that comes to life. So that's just personally, that's one of my favorite parts. This opera in particular, uh, in particular, um, one of my favorite parts is not my part at all. It's actually the tenor's part. Um, he has some of the most beautiful music I, I, I think I've heard in, in quite some time. Uh, uh, specifically in Act Two, he starts a scene off stage and he starts singing this this love song to his to his love interest in the show, Norina. And it's just it's just beautiful music. It really is. So you can just close your eyes and and enjoy, yeah. uh, and then uh, we'll come on stage, and then the the hilarity will ensue. Okay, that, that's a very good description. So uh, more more thirty thousand foot view mm. questions here. This is something we tried to get into with each of our guests because we feel like this is a good format to to address these questions. Sure. Um, in in your estimation, what are some of the the challenges that opera as an art form faces right now? Whew. Um... Yeah, uh, I mean, the biggest one that that's sort of staring everyone in the face across the industry right now is how to attract younger audiences, mm-hmm. right? How to how to really get the the next generation of opera lovers, of theater goers to to want to experience these things. You yeah. know, live theater is is such a special art form, and and there are many different uh, genres that that all deserve attention, and all deserve respect, and all deserve support. Um, and so, you know, opera is one that, you know. I, Traditionally, you think of opera goers as the older generation, right? And that's where a lot of our support has has come from over the, you know, the last few decades, and and we're very grateful for that. Um, we definitely, as an industry, need to start looking towards the the next generation and to to continue that support just so that we can continue making this incredible art. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's also a good answer for for how you can try to overcome some of these challenges. Mm. Any anything that you've seen, we, we've heard things um, about uh, maybe not necessarily theatrics on stage, but um, I've heard about uh, doing doing shows with kind of a planetarium feel, mm. um, you know, more more stimuli around the the actual staging to, sure. to try to uh, get more more people involved from a younger generation. And anything that you can think of that um, might help a younger audience connect with this art form. Absolutely. I think uh, a couple things. One is um, the direction, right? The, the the setting of the of the opera. These are very classic pieces. You can do traditional opera, and it's beautiful, and there's a place for that. I, I, I completely believe that. Um, to, to attract more of the younger audiences, I think it's important to, to update a lot of these concepts for the shows, right? Like we said, this music has been around for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. and there are themes in these stories and in this music that, that resonate 
throughout those, you know, throughout those centuries, really. And, and so it's important that we sort of, that we try to latch on to what is going to speak to the younger people today um, in those storylines, right? So for this one, it's about, it's about class, really. It comes down to this, this, this rich old bachelor has money and he's, he, he doesn't approve of his nephew's girlfriend because she's poor, mm. right? And that's, that's, it's not very funny for a comedic opera, really, when you get down to the, the, the meat of it. Um, it's, it's what happens around that that provides the, the humor and the comedy. But, it, you know, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of that that can resonate with young people today um, and the struggles that, that, you know, they face in, in, in their day-to-day life. So, um, you know, updating these concepts, I think, is very important. Uh, giving them something, you know, beautiful to look at, but also something that's going to, you know, as they leave the theater, keep them talking and mm-hmm. keep them thinking about it. Um, that's, that's, that's one way. Um, the other way is escaping me right now. Well, uh, I mean, another one is, is through outreach and and development. I mean, honestly, through, through social media, obviously there's, there's the immediacy of, of, of content and and programs like this right like like we're speaking right now i mean this is this is a great way to to engage a new audience in in the media that they're familiar with yeah yeah know? reaching people on their on their devices exactly so. <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. all right we'll, we'll close here with something brad that that's a little more fun um not that this hasn't been a fun conversation <laughs> at all um but uh, opera is, is oftentimes known as food for the soul. Mm, sure. Uh, so, so tell us some of your most strident food opinions. Uh, <laughs> strident as, food opinions. No, that's I like may, that. maybe, maybe it's more of a uh, just th- things you know things that uh, that that you can't do without when it comes to to your Ooh. palate, whether it's back home in Chicago or it's from your original home in the Triangle or here in Winston, oh, sure. North Carolina or Midwestern, wh- wherever you want to go. Here. Sure thing. I'll give you a little bit of each. Okay. Um, well, so. Uh, Regardless of where I am, one of my one of my weak points is is baked goods. If you mm. give me a, a good quality cinnamon roll, I am I'm happy. Um, most <laughs> uh, most immediately here in in, in the, the triad area, um, I have definitely supported my local North Carolina businesses. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely been to Krispy Kreme. Um, Bojangles is always a favorite for yep. me. Can't pass that up. Um, but really, just uh, I'm looking forward to uh, some some good barbecue, some some good hush puppies, yes, sweet tea, yes, all the all the comforts of home, if you will. Only because you mentioned it, uh, but if you're looking for a dyni- dynamite and slightly unique cinnamon roll, uh, Louis and Honey's. Okay. Just just outside of downtown. Okay. So yeah, um, head over there around breakfast time if you want to. Louis and Honey's has a, a look. All cinnamon rolls are, are good. <laughs> this one is just a little different, and, and okay. it comes from the ingredients. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Oh, I love it. You won't all be right. disappointed. I will be there. Okay. Well, Brad, uh, <laughs> thank you for for spending some time with us. Uh, looking forward to to the performances, and glad that you're here to to be a part of it. My pleasure. Thank you so much.